Welcome aboard Pink Monorail. I'm Shelley Valladolid, and this is my co-pilot, Noah Valladolid. We're going to be making several stops today, but the first one is at Disneyland. All right, Shelley. So what is happening with Disneyland? Disneyland is going to be reopening on April 30th with 15% all local guests. So this is something we talked about on the previous episode. So they're they're going to be sort of doing a, a rolling or a slow opening. You said it's going to be 15% capacity for the park and it's going to be California residents at first. Right. Both parks. Now, are they limiting the attractions or is yeah, it all open? Well, the law says that it has to be all outdoor attractions. Disneyland has actually announced that they'll have two indoor attractions going, and that's Rise of the Resistance and Snow White's Wish. So those are ones that usually require you to have some sort of reservation. They're not going to have a queue or some sort of line for that. Uh, no, there's no uh, reservation for Snow White's Wish. Well, not for Snow White's Wish, but for Rise of the Resistance, don't you have to put your name on on an app or something? Yeah, you do. Um, But no, they're just going to have a queue. Probably eliminate the pre-show. Well, that's going to be a big bummer for a lot of the the e-ticket rides. So uh, Haunted Mansion, probably out of the question. Pirates of the Caribbean is out of the question. Uh, It's a Small World, out of the question. I I suppose the Matterhorn bobsleds are out outside enough outside yeah and i wonder how much of the attraction has to be outside splash mountain is partially outside it's a small world is partially outside that's true but then you also have the question of even if the park is at 15 percent capacity and people have to social distance the lines are still going to be really long just because everybody's going to be about six feet apart right so we're going to see how they have to handle that so in a, a couple of weeks we'll actually see what happens at disneyland is there anything else that's been announced for disneyland or california adventure they're still doing touch of disney that was the uh, food festival that we talked about yes. in the previous one so you yeah. tickets are still sold out Tickets are still sold out. Okay, so hopefully if you're listening and you've gotten a chance, go ahead and share in the comments what you thought about the Touch of Disney. Our next stop, Marvel. What do you want to talk about for Marvel? I want to talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We watched two episodes of it since the last time we recorded. That's right. So we've seen two episodes of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And if you're just getting caught up, it's on Disney+. Plus. Part How of their much streaming. do you hate John Wesley? <laughs> it's really fun. And all of the Marvel shows that they've had thus far and all of the Disney Plus shows that they've had thus far are really good. We haven't come across a dud yet. And this one is different enough from WandaVision that if you're a fan of the movies, if you're a fan of the characters, and even if you've never really followed the series, you're getting introduced to a couple of really interesting characters. So what, what do you think, Shelley? I think it's a lot more like the films than WandaVision was. It's got a lot of more rock'em sock'em action mm-hmm. to it. And uh, it's interesting looking into the psyche of these two through the eyes of uh, Bucky's therapist. That is interesting. Uh, one of the things that keeps coming up online are the people that are saying, how do you deal with trauma How do you deal with a history of violence and things like that? And you you look at what happened with Wanda. 
She had the death of her parents. She had her country turned upside down. She had the death of her brother. She had the, the death of her love. And all of this made her um, pretty much go crazy, have a psychotic episode, kidnap an entire town, and try to live in a, a fictional TV reality. So that's not a healthy way of dealing with this. No. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they're trying to find healthier ways of dealing with trauma. What if all of the Marvel episodes end up being about how a certain character deals with trauma? Not all of them have to go through this. Assume that a good chunk of them. So Iron Man has father issues. Dr. Banner, the Hulk, definitely has father issues. There, There's a lot of history with the Hulk, and we'll be going through that in future episodes. I'm a big Hulk fan. The Black Widow has a lot of, of issues with... She's got a whole movie about it. Yeah, what the government has done to her, various governments have done Which is going to be her. on Disney+. Plus. Ah, yes, the Black Widow is going to be on Disney+, Plus, so we'll, we'll be watching it. But for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we're looking at Bucky Barnes, who's over a century old, and... For most of his life, he was brainwashed by Hydra, and this was something that was explained in the movies, if you're just getting caught up. Uh, he was brainwashed and turned into an assassin. And after each mission, they would sort of put him in cryogenic freeze until his next mission, his next assassination. So once he was liberated from that, he's he sort of been dealing with nightmares on all of that. So now they're trying to deprogram him and, and see how they can help him cope with that his entire life. Well, he was deprogrammed already in Wakanda. Well, we, we like to think he's been deprogrammed. They thought they had deprogrammed him previously. But, but he still has he still has nightmares and stuff. Yeah. And uh, in the, the film, the, uh, the Civil War, we have uh, Baron Zemo, who was able to trigger some of his programming. So hopefully uh, the Wakandan scientists or the Wakandan therapists were able to completely deprogram him. But that remains to be seen because Zemo is back in the, the upcoming episode, episode three. What do you think of his vibranium arm? Now, that's pretty neat. So in the in the movies, he used to have this silver arm. It looked really cool. Of course, allowed him to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with characters much more powerful than regular humans. But now his new arm is this black metallic material, very similar to the Black Panther's armor, and it looks really cool. Now, the actor playing Baron Zemo, he, he's actually just had a few parts in the Civil War. Uh, Daniel Brühl, he played Nicky Lauda in the film Rush, and Chris Hemsworth was in that movie as well, the Formula One drivers. And he's, a, I think, a very underrated act. He really nailed an incredible performance. So if you get a chance to watch Rush, check it out because it's based on an actual rivalry. And it's not exactly a friendly rivalry, but it's not a vicious rivalry between two real people. And Daniel plays an exceptional character, which is why I was happy to see him get cast as Baron Zemo, because he's a really interesting character, a really interesting actor. Now, what do you think of the casting so far? I love the casting. I think it's fantastic. I can't wait to see uh, Sharon show up. We've got Sam, who's the Falcon, and we've got Bucky, and we have a new Captain America. Wah, wah. <laughs> what do you think of the new Captain America? He stinks. <laughs> And I think the audiences, even though they've seen that he's a great soldier and that he's a great fighter and that and he he's decorated and he wants to do his best, you he's can't help. Too cocky. You can't help but be against him because the bar set so high. But if if you're a longtime comic book reader, you sort of know who this character is. You know the general direction of what's he's happening. He's a white supremacist, is what he is. Oh no! See, don't don't get too far ahead. They they might still change the characters a little bit. 
I mean in the comics. But yeah, in the comics, he's not necessarily a white supremacist as much as he he's very fascist in the sense of that the government does no wrong, the government can never do any wrong. And so if they say go into a village and kill them all, well, it must be for the good of the government. So we don't know how far they're going to make this new Captain America as much like the uh, the aforementioned U.S. agent from the comic books, but we're going to find out. They just came out with a uh, pop vinyl of John Walker. And? And people are totally ratioing it. <laughs> he sort of does have that square jaw of... Uh... So punchable. What a punchable <laughs> face. I think the most interesting thing that happened in the second episode and a lot of longtime Marvel fans uh, saw was the, the introduction of Isaiah, who was from yeah. the yeah. the comic. Uh, it was a short run from Marvel called Truth, Red, White, and Black. And it was written by Robert Morales, and it was drawn by Kyle Baker. Now, Kyle Baker is probably my favorite cartoonist that does comic books. And sometimes he takes a lot of historical uh, stories. Probably his best work, or at least my favorite work of his, was from the DC miniseries for Plastic Man. If you get a chance, try to track down the trade paperback. But more important, try to look up truth. So in it, we don't want to give it completely away. But it turns out that the government had been funding experiments to try to create super soldiers. So Steve Rogers wasn't necessarily the first. And in true guinea pig fashion, there were a lot of black people that they experimented on. And a lot of them died gruesome deaths. So this was sort of inspired by the Tuskegee experiments. Right. And if you know your U.S. history, that's a very sad chapter of what happened to those those people that the government was just I met one experimenting on. I met one of them at Pearl Harbor. Oh. Now, Shelly did work at Pearl Harbor, so she got to, to meet a lot of people that survived the war and a lot of people that had a lot of history. Yeah. But yeah, Isaiah, I don't know if hopefully they're going to expand on that. Maybe they might do a series for Disney Plus down the road, and I really hope they do, because Truth was probably one of the best stories that they released in the past 20 years. So I hope you look into it. I don't want to give it away, but it's a really good story. Great writing, great art. I can't recommend it enough. You hear a little bit of the story in the second episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's Isaiah Bradley. So if you get a chance, try to look him up, try to read the story. So don't just read it online or anything. Try, try to actually get the book. And this is something that you can share with, with your family because it mirrors an actual period of history so of what happens to them. And it isn't the first time. Marvel's done a, a lot of social commentary, a lot of history. If you look at Luke Cage, a lot of his origins of the way the black community's treated and the way they have to fight for every little bit that they get, including how they're given powers not necessarily with their consent, is tackled in the Marvel books. And that, I think, gives the universe a lot of dimension. It's why I think Marvel has the edge over DC is because they handle social justice so much better than just about anybody else except for some indies that's true that's true uh, a lot of the the dc characters sort of just came from well what happened if a, a fantastic character had fantastic powers and lived in a mansion and so they would just make up characters with capes and origins and not really sort of give them flaws right. so the, the dc characters are very spotless very flawless and you look at the marvel ones and and they're they're a little more realistic. You you can see that they don't always win. They lose a lot. And when they lose, they learn. They become better. And that's something that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier gets right. It, Sam comes back after uh, half the half of the planet, half of the universe has been gone for five years. And he's just trying to help his sister 
uh, put the family business back together, keep them afloat, and he gets turned down for a bank loan. It's just proof that even for superheroes, the world can be tough, and especially for black superheroes. Now I know why Captain America did those PSAs for high schools. He needed the money. I guess that makes sense. I guess now we know the truth behind that. Is there anything you look forward to on the next episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Or? Actually, I wanted to talk a little bit more about this episode because Eli's grandson, Isaiah's grandson, Elijah, mm-hmm. makes an appearance and he is Patriot in the Young Avengers. And we've already met Billy and Tommy, who are Wiccan and Speed in the Young Avengers. And I want to know your opinion. Do you think they're going to put together a Young Avengers? I think by having the pieces out there, at the very least, these are things they can explore. From a Hollywood perspective, if one of the actors or one of the writers doesn't like a direction or they're dragging their feet on a contract or something, Marvel can just go ahead and skip ahead, look at these other characters that they've already established, that they've already cast. And there's the gal who's assisting uh, Hawkeye. Oh, that's true. Uh, I think Kate. Is is uh, potential, so there is uh, the chance we're going to see Young Avengers not not in animated form because I think we've seen them on Disney XD, but to see them live action and maybe yes, get please. their own series, get their own movies. There's a a lot that Marvel's doing right. So I think Shelley's observation that getting these characters out there, getting their names in people's heads, that's uh, setting off something new either for TV or the movies. Any other Marvel projects you're keeping an eye on, Shelley? Not really. (laughs) I mean, I am, but not enough to talk about yet. Okay, so we'll talk about that on the next stop of the Pink Monorail. The next stop, Knott's Berry Farm. Knott's Berry Farm. So I know they make really good boysenberry pies. What's going on with nuts? For Alice's birthday, we went there and we picked up dinner and ran into some friends. They're doing their Taste of Boysenberry Festival event, which I hear is amazing. It's $50 to get in and you get something like $25 worth of food and it's all huge servings. And they've got some of the things we talked about before, like the boysenberry uh, meatballs and... Mm-hmm boysenberry sausage and boysenberry tamales. So a lot of savory food, if you like savory, some spicy food, if you like spicy, and, and of course, great really dessert. sweet. Uh, also when we were there. Boysenberry peanut butter fudge. Oh, yeah. We brought that home for Alice. When, when we were there, we went in the afternoon. It wasn't too late, and it was in the middle of the week, and there wasn't hardly any line. So if you want to pick up dinner and you're in Orange County, you can find parking, parking's free, if you're picking up something from the market. So most of the shops are open on that little uh, downtown part, including the restaurant. So you can go get a chicken dinner, get some pies, get some fudge, uh, do a little... You can even order ahead of time if you're not getting a pie. Oh, that's true, and you can just do some pickup. So we can't recommend it enough, especially if you're in the area. It was so good. on to our next stop, Disneyland Forward. So the next stop of the pink monorail, we're going to talk about Disneyland Forward. I have no idea what Disneyland Forward is. It's the uh, upcoming plan that Disney rolled out for Anaheim City Council. So Disney's looking at an expansion. They're looking at expanding the two parks. And in a kind of ingenious way, they're they're taking the parking lot 
that's behind the Paradise Pier Hotel and the Disneyland Hotel and making that into two separate parts. One part is an expansion over Disneyland Drive from DCA. The other is one over Disneyland Drive for Disneyland. And they're, uh, they're dangling all sorts of things from Tokyo and Shanghai. Peter Pan, the Frozen, the Little Mermaid, the Beauty and the Beast sections, Zootopia from Shanghai, you know, in order to get them to let them. And they're not asking for any money. They're not asking for any hotel rooms. They're just asking for a change from parking lot to entertainment. If you aren't familiar with the Disneyland parks and you're more of an East Coast fan, in Disneyland we've got a lot of parking area behind the Disneyland Hotel, behind the Paradise Pier Hotel, like Shelley said. It's almost as much land as both Disneyland and DCA almost combined. So at least enough land for to rebuild one of those parks in its entirety. That's how much parking space is behind there. So Disneyland already has that really huge parking lot, the Eisner Complex. Yep, the Eisner Plex. And in, with this, they're going to go back to the, the Harbor Boulevard parking garage that they had floated before that got shot down. They're floating that again and changing the Strawberry Fields parking lot, the Toy Story lot, into a kind of... I, Hyperion Wharf type of thing or Disney Springs type of thing with entertainment shops and dining. So not everybody listening to the podcast and not everybody that even lives in the community exactly realizes how much property uh, the Disney company has been acquiring around the parks. We're looking at hotels, parking lots that little by little they've been acquiring under shell corporations under shell corporations like cinderella hotels look it up (laughs) so that so that little by little they can get these uh properties and start consolidating them so that they can build on them whether it's another gate whether it's another parking lot whether it's something that they can help expand their parks because uh property is a rare commodity in california in florida they've got hundreds and thousands of acres that they can dredge anytime they want and start building on. Not so much in Southern California. They have to be very careful and calculate where everything is going to go. Now, something that's helping them with this is, like Shelley said, they've already got blueprints from Shanghai, from Hong Kong, from Tokyo Disneyland of all the new expansions. So the Imagineers don't have to try to figure out what can go where, how much they're going to need, how much space or anything, because they have the blueprints for the expansions in Tokyo. Uh, like Shelley said, so we've got uh, Tangled or Beauty and the Beast or, or one of the other films, A Castle or something. They already know how much they need to develop that. From Shanghai, they've got the property already figured out. So it's really smart of them to reuse that and to try to keep the, the cost to a minimum when you're essentially opening a third gate at the parks. Right. <laughs> is that right? That's right. The The only thing, and, and this is my commentary, this, this isn't necessarily from the pink monorail. This is just me personally. I'm skeptical about this. I know Disney... The company can build it. I know that it's going to be really beautiful, whatever they, they come up with. they promised us Westcott at one time yeah. in order to get the city council to move and gave us DCA Volume 1. And they've learned that if you make a mistake, it's really hard to correct your mistakes after the fact. So this is something that we talked about when the, we did the Pink Monorail series in China. For DCA, they discovered that having to redo about half the park cost almost $2 billion. And in the end, the new DCA is head and shoulders above what was originally there. But it's no Westcott. But it's no Westcott. And so I'm, I'm skeptical that, yes, we're going to have the best new elements from the Asian parks. But at the same time, I'm skeptical because 
they've been ignoring a lot of the maintenance and a lot of the upkeep in Disneyland during all of this time, during all of this rebuilding. I mean, we've still got that monstrosity that's blocking traffic in Tomorrowland. We also have what used to be the People Mover track that's been collecting dust for more than a decade now. That isn't a Rocket Rods, isn't the People Mover track, it's just tracks. Two decades. Yeah, so two decades now. So we've got the, the huge building that used to be the... the Carousel of Progress. The Carousel of Progress, which was also the uh, American sings and sort of that's been taking up a lot of real estate so there's a lot of Tomorrowland that they've just been ignoring for more than two decades and I'm sure a lot of fans would like to see the Disney company do something oh they're also dangling the Tron coaster yeah and the the Tron coaster and all of that but I mean the Tron coaster is going into Florida dangling dangling ah see see how it goes yes I'm sure whatever Disney expands with is going to be wonderful but part of me wants them to go back and address what they haven't been looking at for decades. Right. That's just my commentary. I mean, the pink monorail still supports all of the parks, and we're still eager to see what happens. Very. But I'd like to hear your thoughts. You know, what Disney could do, should do, or you're, or you're just looking forward to. I'm just looking forward to the crowding being alleviated by the expansions. Well, that'd be nice for fans to have someplace else to go, especially post-pandemic. Right. Okay, Shelley, what's the next stop for the pink monorail? Walt Disney World. We're going to look at the new facial recognition uh, system at the entry gates. Uh Uh-oh, is Big Brother watching us now? (laughs) Big Mouse is watching us. Oh, no. Um, We had a two-finger scan. Mm -hmm. Then we had the thumbprint scan. Mm -hmm. And now we've got a facial recognition. And I hope it works better than on my phone. Because my phone recognizes my daughter as me, but not me as myself a lot of the time. Biometrics for security. That's, of course, a big thing, and not just for the Disney company, but for regular private companies. And what's going to happen when they roll this out and are people that wear masks because they have a cold? And we're, we're thinking post-pandemic. So people have been inoculated, the, the numbers are down, but just as safety precautions, perhaps some of the visitors are going to wear masks. So that's guaranteed to throw off these biometric scanners, these face scanners. So our cast members going to say, you know, remove your mask so you can get scanned and it's a, then put it back on. There's a lot of questions and I'm sure the Disney company's trying to figure all of this out. But so far it's been working. So so that's And good. they've got masks in the park now. So what I saw from a video was someone pulling down their mask, getting scanned and being allowed into the park. For the the scans, this is going to be tied into their pass of sorts, tied into their payments, tied into their hotel. How does that all work? Right now, they're just uh, making some little baby steps. It would be great with purchases, but when the kid gets the card, the parent gives the kid a key card and puts the credit card on it. Mm -hmm. Okay, do they scan the kid's face? There's privacy issues. Uh, Does the parent have to be there every time the kid uses the card? They can't run off and, and, you know, go do some thrill rides while mom and dad sit on a bench. So these are all things that Disney's going to have to figure out. And of course, explain to the guests what what can and can't you do. Right, exactly. With your room cards, with your... uh, And everything's going to be integrated. From the moment you get off the plane or get off the boat and you're headed to the parks, they'll be able to keep track of you they'll be able to market to you they'll be able to see your shopping habits and of course try to build packages around you so they they know a lot about customers They've been doing their homework, not just in surveys, but for those that are that are worried about privacy, exactly how much privacy are you giving over to Disney? So things to explore, things to think about. And what happens if somebody hacks it? 
exactly. So we also have that to consider. It's a lot of news on this stop of the pink monorail. So we've had a lot of news, a lot of stops on this episode of the pink monorail. So what do you think? What are you looking forward to for the Disney Plus shows or the Marvel shows? Are you reading the comics? Are you watching the, the cartoons? Are you watching Disney XD? Are you keeping up with Hulu and all of the things happening there? What are you buying? Yeah, what are you buying? If you're visiting the parks, whether it's SeaWorld, whether it's Universal, whether it's Disneyland, what have you tried recently? Any of the new restaurants, any of the new merchandise? We'd like to hear about it. And now we're going to take a short stop for our sponsors. Hello, I'm Roger Colton of Private Car Service. With the 50th anniversary of the Walt Disney World Resort coming on October 1st, we're chartering two vintage Pullman Railroad cars to offer a special excursion departing New York City on Tuesday, September 28th. The following day, we arrive in Orlando for a four-night stay in the cabins at the Fort Wilderness Resort. Our chartered railroad cars will return us back to New York City on Monday, October 4th. You could be part of this classic travel and theme park experience for the base price of $4,750 per person double occupancy. This includes the transportation, meals and beverages aboard the train, as well as theme park tickets, resort accommodations, and is limited to 20 passengers. For more information, please call 925-321-0023 or visit our web pages at privatecarservice.net. Private Car Service is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company in any way. A special shout out to our sponsor, Circa 1955. Nicole is the founder of Luxalume a small company that makes candles, wax melts, and room sprays. She creates scents that capture the season, nature, or wonderful memories. She also takes commissions for larger orders, such as weddings or company gifts. It turns out that Nicole is also a huge Disney fan and has a line called Circa 1955. She creates scents inspired by all things Disney. This includes the parks, attractions, treats, and films. She creates each formula and batch of candles herself. For every one scent she's released, she's probably made over 200 trials just to get the smell right. Don't take my word for it. Go to Circa1955.com, order a candle, and use promo code PINK15. That's P-I-N-K-1-5 to get 15% off your purchase. Support a small company that also gives back to the community. You're going to love it. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed this week's trip on Pink Monorail, and we look forward to seeing you again real soon. We'll see you next time. Another shout out to Jim Hill for hosting Pink Monorail on his podcast network. The Jim Hill Podcast Network also includes Looking at Lucasfilm, The Disney Dish, I want that. Marvel Us Disney and fine tuning. Thanks for listening. And be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review for each podcast. Have a great day.